0: So this, uh, this morning is Feast Sunday, and for those of you who are visiting or maybe new, uh, a Feast Sunday for us is centered around the Lord's Supper. And rather than having a normal, quote-unquote, normal Sunday service and the, the Lord's Supper is just added on to the end of it, it is the center of our service, that we listen and we reflect on what this meal means for us. But we've also added another uh, description to it, Feast and Fellowship. And uh, this week I wanted to talk some about that, about the fellowship part. As you, uh, many of you noticed when you came in, there's tables lined up with foods, uh, with snacks to eat afterward, uh, for us to gather around tables and to share, to talk about life, to share food together, to eat together. We've talked about that a few months ago in a series we were going through called Bless, um, one of the spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines that helps us connect with other people, whether it's people in our church family or people in our community, is to eat together. its um, I don't understand how it works. I just know that it does. Gathering together around a table and sharing life together is powerful stuff. And so uh, today is Feast and Fellowship. I wanted to remind everyone of that, but also to, to look forward to this Sunday, uh, to look forward to these Feast and Fellowship Sundays as an opportunity to to share food together, to talk and to encourage one another, to find out how we might even be praying for each other or to set meetings where we could get together with people in the middle of the week and we can talk for longer or for an hour or two Um, so that we look forward to these, that these Feast and Fellowship Sundays don't just sneak up on us and and we rush out the doors, or heading off to our other thing, but we take time to connect with people in our church family. We've been cultivating this community or this element of community or this aspect of community on purpose in our church. As we hear about things that are happening or as we look at the world around us, community and connection with people is on the rapid decline. I mean, even as we as Christians, as people who are um, connected through the Holy Spirit, connected through uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, meant to gather every Sunday and to be encouraging one another, even we still find it difficult with how busy we are to get together. And so we've been working, uh, the SLT and me and um, other leaders in our church, to cultivate community, to cultivate. um, And I wanted to use this word, too, to use this word fellowship. Um, In our world right now, in our culture, community is a pretty well-worn term. Everybody's talking about community. Everybody's talking about how um, they want community. Everybody's talking about how they don't have enough community, how they wish they had more and that's all well and good, and we need to use that word and, and to think about those things as well. But also, fellowship. And I think of fellowship, and maybe this is like just my narrow understanding of it, but fellowship is, is a group of people gathered together for a purpose. And we have purpose. I mean, one is growing in the Lord, worshiping the Lord our God. One of our purposes is to encourage one another, to help each other in faith. One of our purposes is mission as well, to encourage, to cultivate God's kingdom, not just in our church, but in our community as well. And so this morning, I've been, actually this whole week, I've been thinking about um, fellowship, about community, about gathering around this table as a way of holding us together, as cultivating uh, our church family. And this all feeds into uh, a series that I'm going to be starting, uh, well, starting this Sunday, um, but continuing on through the rest of September, uh, talking about why gather, why bother, and be working through, uh, especially Hebrews um, and other uh, passages in Scripture about why is it important for us as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, to gather together, whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday night. For us, it's it's Sunday mornings. Why is it important for us to gather together as the church? It's been interesting. I've um, thinking about reflecting on some of the changes that have happened in our culture. Over the last uh, 70 years, it's interesting how the number, of, like the average or the regular church attendance, has nosedived, and that has all sorts of cultural um, things that have factored into it. But one thing that's troubling for me is that even in our, even those who are still faithful followers of Jesus, who would say, I mean, I understand that people, you know, who are um, like faith is in decline in our in Canada, and there are people who are um, choosing not to follow Jesus and I understand how, why that declines, why they stop going to church. That makes sense to me. But what's troubling is when I see people who would say, oh yes, absolutely, I am a follower of Jesus and I have, like he has saved my life. But yeah, no, I, I kind of hit church or gather together. I shouldn't say church. I gather together with the church, which are people, you know, probably once a month or every six weeks or so. That's an interesting thing has, that has changed in our culture. I think about those of you who are a generation or two above me, gathering together, especially on Sunday morning, or traditionally on Sunday morning, was something you did. There wasn't a question. There wasn't um, waiting for other excuses to come up. It was something that you did. And I think that's an interesting part of your generation, of those of you who are in your 70s and older. It's an interesting part of something that I that I admire, is that you generally are committed. And even if you don't agree or don't like what's happening, you're still committed and you show up. And then there's a the generation above me, the boomers, and how it starts to um, decline a bit in terms of that committedness. And then my generation, Gen X, and even younger, the millennials, our commitment to things. Um, we are well-trained consumers, my generation and younger. We look at things like, what do I get out of it? Do I like it? Is it for me? Yes or no? Well, if if I don't really get much out of it, then I'm not really going to go. It's an interesting thing. I think about how that question has seeped into even the church. When I've talked with people, I don't know many of you, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but if you've talked with people about who aren't um, gathering regularly with the church, who would say like, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but no, I don't gather regularly. If you ask them, why not? without any sort of judgment or anything, one of the common answers I hear is, you know, I just don't get much out of it. Which is an interesting thought. I mean, it's great to get stuff out of gathering together. I mean, I hope everybody gets something out of this time here. um, Either closer to God or closer with one another, you know, hopefully worship the Lord. But it's an interesting thing that that's our, the main thing that people talk about. Rather than, I come to, on Sunday morning, to give to serve, to bless others, to maybe I just come here and you know, maybe I don't get the particular aspect of worship. I don't maybe I don't get it, but I'm here just in case that there's somebody here on Sunday morning who needs me, who needs an encouraging word or that I can pray for. That we gather together to encourage one another, not just to get things out of it. It's interesting, I am as I've been thinking about how things have changed culturally in the church and how, you know, a couple generations ago, gathering together on Sunday morning was just something you did. And then over the last couple generations now, it's something, if nothing better comes up, that's where we're headed on Sunday. My desire is that it would return back to this idea of family, of the body, of the fellowship gathered together for a purpose, especially to encourage one another in faith and for the sake of mission. And uh, it was Friday night, um, Tracy and I uh, just uh, falling asleep, and and I was, she said, let's just watch a little bit of this show, and whatever you want to watch. And I've been intrigued by the show, this movie by Martin Scorsese called Silence. I only started it, so I haven't seen the whole thing but it is a movie about uh, 16th century or sorry 17th century japan and two jesuit priests who travel to japan where there's massive persecution of christians there of japanese christians and they travel to go find their mentor uh, father ferreira and it's interesting i have i've only watched the first bit of it but you see these two jesuit monks who come from portugal where you know they are christianity is king and they're walking down this ivory, these marble steps in this this elaborate um, um, office sort of building cathedral. And they're talking with their superiors there. And he he says, okay, fine. If you feel you must go to Japan, then go. And so they get to Asia. And they have to find help just to get to Japan. And then once they get to Japan, they smuggle, like they sneak onto the island. Their ship doesn't even land. They have to swim in. And they hide in these caves, and then they're terrified because they, if they know if they get found out, they'll be killed. The, the, and it's pretty—they're pretty obvious. They obviously do not—they're Portuguese. They obviously do not look Japanese. And so, in the middle of the night, uh, they're in this cowering in this cave because their their guide had left them. They thought he'd abandoned them, but really, what he had done is he had gone and gathered together the Christians of that neighboring village. And these Japanese Christians come down with torches to find them. And take these Jesuit priests, uh, missionaries, to keep them safe. Because if they're found out, they'll be killed. And it's interesting that I see um, there's a scene in the uh, as it's showing them ministering or or joining this tiny little village, and the villages are terrified. They don't even go. They don't even visit other villages for sake of uh, for the fear of being found out as Christians. If they're found out, they'll be killed. And it's interesting because I see the way that this village relies on one another. For them, community and fellowship, it's not just something that they hit once in a while if they get something out of it. For them, it's a matter of life and death. They rely on one another. They depend on one another. And it's been challenging for me. And I... Not that I pray that we have persecution, obviously not. But I would love to have a fellowship like that village of Japanese Christians had. I would love to have a fellowship like that where we gather together, not only because it's good and of what we get out of it, but also so that we can encourage one another, so that we can bless one another for the sake of God's mission here in this community. So I've been thinking about this over this last week, and we're starting this series, Why Gather, Why Bother? And we'll be talking about how gathering together on Sunday morning helps us grow in our faith, helps us grow in our relationship with the Lord. We'll talk about it, too, about how gathering together um, helps us grow together as a community, as a fellowship. That we're here to hear of each other's stories. That's something that is an often, or things I often hear in churches. Sometimes even this church, is. People are, we're great to hear um, what's happening for two or three minutes, but then when do we talk besides Sunday morning? And it can feel, some people can feel strangely, um, ironically, shallow. You know, we talk for a few minutes on Sunday. How's your week? How are things going? Okay, good. See you next Sunday. And I'm hopeful that we can talk some about how gathering on Sunday um, is a time to connect with one another so that we can maybe have those conversations, deeper conversations throughout the week. Then we'll also be talking uh, as well as how gathering together on Sunday morning is important for God's mission in this community. Because many people, um, many people I have seen who have who have come to faith or have questions about faith in our community here, one of the places they show up is here on Sunday morning. And I'm grateful that we have this gathering of, of uh, faithful followers of Jesus who gather here that they can come and ask their questions or they can come and seek Jesus. If we weren't here this morning, where would those people go? So we'll be talking some about how um, gathering together is great, is important, is essential for our um, relationship with the God our Father, with the Lord our Father, Uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ, how it's important for our relationship with each other and how it's important for mission. There's one part that I wanted to just touch on this morning um, as we head to the Lord's table is how us faithfully gathering together Sunday mornings like this to praise God is a prophetic act in our society. Not many people do this sort of thing anymore. I was talking with Dave and I were having lunch, Dave Douglas and I were having lunch this week, and most service organizations are in decline. like Lions and um, Rotary, I'm sorry, not Rotary, Rotary's growing. (laughs) Um, But um, many social organizations are declining as people become less interested in how can I serve, how can I bless others, and more concerned about what do I get out of it and what would I rather do. As our culture moves that direction, how prophetic is it for us as followers of Jesus to faithfully gather here on Sunday mornings? One, to praise the Lord our God, to praise him because of who he is and what he's done in our lives, but also to speak prophetically in a culture around us that views everything like a consumer. Do I like it? Do I get something out of it? When we gather here, we might not get a lot out of it, and yet we gather for maybe the sake of others, to be encouraging to others. Our culture right now is marked by uh, consumerism. Everything is a transaction. Everything is, what do I get out of it? And individualism, taking care of myself. As long as I'm okay, then maybe I can help with others a little bit, but, but I'm, everybody's kind of on their own. And I hear, like I, in our culture, I see it, uh, people craving connection with people. I mean, and it's ironic how um, even things like social media, um, Facebook, things like that, how it can provide a little bit of connection for people who are starving? But I, um, it reminds me of a phenomenon called rabbit starvation. Um, digression, but it's worth it. <laughs> um, uh, in the early days when trappers were in in Canada, they they trappers would die of this thing called rabbit starvation, where they would hunt rabbits and kill them, and they would eat you know they would eat lots of rabbits, but their calories they were so lean that they didn't actually have enough calories so that they would still starve to death, even though they were eating a regular diet of rabbits because they didn't have enough nutrition, enough um, calories, and people would still, like, the choppers, would still lose weight and, and die, which can happen in our community that you start craving community, connection with people, and you spend more and more time on Facebook or something or social media, and really it's different than meeting with someone across the table or joining in someone's life. Um, not that I mean it's. I mean I know um, friends. I have a really close friend of mine who's really great with social media, and uh, and she makes lots of connections with people. But she's also good at connecting with um, people personally as well. <laughs> right? I'm talking about you. Um, so for us to live these prophetic lives, where we purposely gather, invite people who unwittingly or without really giving it much thought have become too busy in their lives and they run from one thing to the next and they wonder why they feel alone and somewhat empty and disconnected from people for us as the church to live questionable lives like i talked about questionable the sort of lives where people would question us why are you doing this how do i join in how do i get what you have this connection with 80 people who aren't family or some other affinity relationship. How do I get that as well? Well, this morning as I've been, or this week as I've been thinking, um, I've been thinking about this text from Corinthians. And don't worry, this doesn't mean we're just getting started. This means that I'm almost finished. I know the feast devotions, when when everybody else does them, they're concise and short, and then when I do, I just go on and on. But... Um, So, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he's talking with them about, in in Corinth, well, see, in the ancient world, they would eat idol meat. They would eat food that was devoted to an idol as a way of worshiping that god, and then as part of the worship, then the people who were gathered there would eat the food. Like, after it had been kind of given to the God or or devoted to the God, then they would share the rest, and it was called idle food. And so Paul is talking with them about this. And in this discussion about idle food, telling them not to eat that food, he says this, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry, flee from eating this idle food. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. And this is the part I want us to hear. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, our participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread we break, our participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, hopefully you remember me saying this most uh, times we have communion, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And it's different, I mean it's true, Paul is using this, talking about the bread to explain something of why it's, why you don't eat idol food because you partake in that idol, that that demon as you will talk about later in this passage, but the part I wanted us to gather from this is that when we share this meal together, more I believe more is happening just than just remembering, remembering giving thanks to Jesus. Um, remembering what he's done for us, doing this in remembrance of him, the sacrifice that he made, that is by far one of the most important parts. But it's also important that we share this meal together. And as Paul teaches, it joins us together. We participate in the body. We partake of the body of Christ. Not in a literal sense. This doesn't somehow become Christ's body, but he is present here with us. And by sharing in this bread, this one bread, he says, we who are many become one because we share from the same common bread. And so these next few weeks, as we work through this um, this sermon series on why gather and why bother, I thought how great it is to start, how appropriate it is to start here with the Lord's Supper, with a feast Sunday that we have intentionally put things around this particular Sunday, the Feast Sundays, to cultivate community, to cultivate fellowship among us.